I think my biggest area that I need to continue to grow is now that I'm starting to see a little bit of success, it's really easy to take your foot off the gas a little bit. Um, I'm trying to develop just this morning. I was, I was listening to some stuff and trying to just in a sense, meditate on this idea that it's like, now that I'm starting to find success, I'm starting to grow. I'm starting to get to where I was always hoping I would get, um, at least within this role. Um, it's time to to double down and almost increase my efforts and increase my efficiency and make sure that my processes are even tighter than ever because um, I I tend to think it's a simple thing but I tend to think that it's true that humans are below below the line individuals I've heard that before where um, it's if this is the line of what's good and acceptable you know we'll tend to we'll maybe spike over it but then if we're not careful we'll start to sink down and maybe end up hanging out down here a little bit so you have to be intentional especially as you do start to see some growth um, to keep that going in the right direction because in my opinion you're always creating momentum in one direction or the other of that line i'm will young and i have worked in several different job environments ranging from lawn care to corporate sales I have graduated from Indiana Wesleyan University with two majors in marketing and administration, and you're listening to the Young Blooded Podcast, a 30-minute to one-hour audio experience teaching you how to start a side hustle or advance your career through actionable steps and real-life stories from experienced business owners and investors. Please enjoy the truths, mistakes, and laughs of the Young Blooded Podcast experience. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Young Blooded Podcast. Again, today we have Spencer Roos, which is a long-term friend of mine from college, just like last week's guest, Evan King, as well as he does regional sales management at Forest River. So he actually owns a few territories. I'm sure we'll expand on that a little bit more later. But first off, you know, I would just like to say thanks for coming on the show. I know you're a busy guy, so taking time out of your Saturday is cool. Um, but being that it is Saturday, you know, we have some UFC fights coming up. I know that's something we regularly kind of talk about. So who do you have tied to visa or Cyril Ghosn? Ooh, I, I feel like you gotta go Cyril Ghosn, but Ty's kind of got those rocks for hands. But Cyril Ghosn's just so tight with it, man. His technique, everything is so tight. So I'm gonna have to take him in that one. I agree. I agree. I think, uh, Cyril Ghosn's just, you know, to see what he did against Derek Lewis, who's just kind of a similar type fighter. Um, I think he yep. may have the advantage, but you're right. Ty Tuviza, you know, he's a heavyweight, he's strong and he's, he's energetic. So you never know, but uh, that's, that's cool, man. I I'm really excited to get those, get those fights on tonight. However, I'm also really excited for the audience to kind of hear some of the beginnings of your story. Cause I think it really sets up well your sales journey and where you are today. So yep. I guess to kind of like preface that um, like in college, n- no offense to your off the charts charisma now, but like you were a little more reserved and laid back and like, I didn't think because of that, that sales would be like a good decision for you long-term because I, I could see like the happiness start to fade as like, you know, you weren't accessing most of the parts of your regular personality, but it seems that you've kind of found your new role within sales, been enjoying life a lot more. And I've seen you smiling and laughing a heck of a lot more than, than you were even towards the end of college. So I think that's pretty cool. And it's cool to see kind of that new part of your life unpack, but maybe I'm getting part of that wrong. So you can go ahead and correct me if I am. <laughs> No, dude, I think you're 100% right. Um, so when I when I first got into college, especially the early parts, you know, freshman, sophomore year, um, I was I was always a pretty insecure guy, to be honest. And I think there was just, 
I, you know, I was a biology pre-med major. And to be honest, there was this big part of me that thought I was never going to have the charisma, the confidence, you know, the ability to, to communicate and to persuade, to ever go into business and be successful. Um, and to be honest, I think a lot of people have that. I think a lot of people are afraid that they can't do that and make that jump. Um, and I'm telling you, you know, I'm firsthand experience. If you would talk to people, I, I remember my roommate um, early on in college, he told me that one of the things he liked about me was that I was a little bit quieter, a little bit shyer. It made him feel like he could open up and be more comfortable around me. Um, but what that meant to me at the time was, you know, you don't, you don't have the it, you know, you don't have the it to go out and persuade people and, and to go and make friends and be charismatic. But I would say, you know, and, and we can get more into this as you want, but I would just say getting into this role specifically has really helped kind of rip those walls open and get me, get me further into, you know, honestly, it just comes down to being comfortable talking to people. It's really that simple. I think that the beginning of college really sets a bar for what your personality is too, just because of the fact that um, at Indiana Wesleyan specifically, they give you that test with like the five major um, personality traits or whatever it is. But I remember like winning others over woo was like my number one thing. So I was imagining like at freshman year, that probably wasn't your on your top five list or no. No, I think my number one was competition, if I remember. Oh, nice, nice. That was up there for me mm -hmm. as well, as you I'm sure you're aware. But yeah. um, but yeah, that's cool, man. Was your roommate Logan the freshman year? hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I remember, yeah, because he he came on the show too. So the guests may know him a little bit. Yeah. But uh right on, man. Well, I guess how why then did you choose to go into sales and why then RVs? if, you know, throughout college, you were kind of noticing this less charismatic version of yourself? So there was, there was this point where I realized if I, you know, I, I got to the end of college and my thought was, I'm going to go be a, a physical therapist. I still had my biology degree. So I finished with that. I was pre-physical therapy. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go get, uh, go through PT school. And then I'll kind of go live my white picket lifestyle and make pretty decent money and just kind of get to relax and work my nine to five and maybe start a practice someday. I, I got to a point though with that whole idea where it, it just wasn't enthusing enough to me. It didn't get my blood going. And I realized, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to just settle for something that was comfortable. Um, even if it's, you know, it's difficult, but difficult and comfortable can go hand in hand. Sometimes it was just the type of difficult. And, and so I decided that I wanted to get into business. I wanted to dip my toes into either, you know, starting businesses, doing marketing, doing sales. Um, and in fact, I, I sat down with, um, he's one of my buddy's fathers and a very successful businessman. And he told me, you know, if you can market and you can sell, um, you'll never struggle to find work. And to me, that was a much more exciting path that still offered upside and, and the ability to potentially have, you know, if I ever wanted to settle down and work a nine to five and go a little bit more white picket, you can still do that in business. Um, but to me, I wanted to, to kind of just put it all on my own shoulders and to start to develop these new skills that, to be honest, I didn't ever think I was going to be able to access. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, man, that's awesome. And I think that uh, what you were saying about your friend's dad that, you know, brought that point up to you, um, that's really important because the, a friend of mine actually told me that earlier in my life, too. And it really changed the way I you know, pivoted the way I thought about things and helped me understand stuff from a new perspective um, within the business world. So, 
Yeah, man, that's awesome. I guess, so you didn't really touch on this, but like why RV specifically, or is that something that did enthuse you, so to speak, or no? Yeah, so RV specifically is because, for one, it's that's what's our local industry around here. We're kind of the Detroit of RVs here in Elkhart, Indiana. So Mm -hmm. um, it is something that, you know, it's readily available to go and compete within. Um, But what it comes down to is it's a lot of travel and it's a lot of hard work and it's a lot of it's a lot of managing relationships so it's Mm. it's sales but it's you know all sales is at the end of the day is similar you know you you create a compelling case you you have your closes you handle objections but but what it comes down to is my type of sales that i do is very relationship based you have to do things and you have to sell in a way where when you call that dealer again in a week and a half, two weeks, and you want him to, you know, potentially take on another unit, another floor plan, um, he's got to answer that phone. And you have to be able to, you know, he's, you're competing with guys that have relationships. So you have no choice but to develop them yourself. Mm-hmm. So um, that was always something that was really intriguing to me, just for my personality. Maybe that's not for everybody, but for me, that really stuck out as something that I thought I could leverage as a strength. Yeah, no, I, th- I think so too. Uh, you're, you're away with people and just to kind of like almost over listen, but then also share as much as you think is needed for that conversation is a really, you have a really acute sense for that because I've, I've noticed that with people at college and how you talk to them and stuff like that. And there's not a lot of people that walk away from a conversation with you without thinking at least they've added value or they've received value. So congrats on that, but enough me being nice, huh? Um, <laughs> so how long have you been at this role at, at, uh, at Forest? So I started as a trainee there last September. So I'm coming up right on a year, okay. um, but I've only been managing my territory for eight months now. Okay. Okay. And what, what territory is that? So I have Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, and Missouri. And I right. felt fifth wheels down into that place of the, the United States. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm, I assume the market's a little better than it, than it is here for, for RVs there, or is that wrong? Is it actually it's better well, in the Midwest? So Texas is a great market in general, Um, not to get too much in the weeds, but I also say a big advantage of selling down South is your buying season extends through the winter. Mm. It slows down still, but it doesn't come to a screeching halt like it does oftentimes up in the Midwest. I see. I see. Okay, cool. Well, yeah, man. I mean, as much as I love to talk about sales and stuff, I know we had spoken a little bit before the podcast about emphasizing on self-development and really opening up most of our time for that. So I'm going to kind of transition into that unless you had something else you'd like to add for sales. I know you, with your limited experience, you still have some things to teach to some of the listeners. So I don't know if you had a tip or anything you wanted to add, but if not, I have the next self-development question ready for you. Uh, we can we can go ahead and jump into self-development. I think we'll touch on a lot of the, the sales ideas that I've started to develop uh, by getting in that conversation. Okay, cool. So my first question would be then like how in the last two years have you seen yourself develop? Because obviously we kind of touched on that a little bit already, but then to expand on that in the next two years or one to two years, how would you see yourself wanting to develop and, and what do you see yourself wanting to become more like? Hmm. I... Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of ways that I think I've changed in the last two years. And I think most of the time, if you ask a 24-year-old that question, they're going to say the same thing. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty um, formative <laughs> time of your life, for sure. Yeah. It is, it is. And, but I, I'd say if I had to nail down the single biggest thing that I think has changed in my life in the last two years, I would just call it self-assurance. Um, and to some extent, that is, you know, be, you, you become more self-assured sometimes by actually being less concerned about 
you know, how others perceive you and, and who you are in, in their eyes. And um, being more, you know, it, I guess what it comes down to is I am confident in my own processes and the way that I think about other people in the world and my job. And I'm confident enough in those things that I can take criticisms, I can take, you know, awkward moments and conversations a lot more in stride because at the end of the day, I know I can come back to my center of, you know, I trust myself. I am, I am what I am. I'm going to make mistakes. Um, I'm going to have issues and, and times where maybe somebody else with a different skill set would have succeeded better in that instance. But I trust myself and my work ethic enough to iron out those issues over time. And I think that that's lended to, you know, really just uh, a level of confidence that helps me execute in a role where I am required to be confident. I'm required to reach out to successful business owners that have been in this industry 20 years longer than I have. And know and, your stuff still. Yeah. yeah. And, and know my stuff because it is, you know, it's a lot about preparation and, and things like that. And there's a million things that go into self-confidence. Um, but, you know, I think at the end of the day, it, it really does just come down to trusting yourself, your work ethic, and that even when you make mistakes, you're going to rise afterwards. And so I'd say that's probably the biggest difference in, in my life. No, well said. And before you get into the next two years, I would say that, um, that goes hand in hand with like being part of a business as well, like within your career. So like for me, what was kind of ringing in my ear, as you said, that is like, I know that if everything hits the fan and I don't have any options left, I can go start a solo lawn care business anywhere in the South and make plenty of good living 60, 70, 80 K in my first year. Right. So yeah. th that, that in my back pocket, whether people think that's arrogant for me to say or not, I know for the fact that I'm invincible because if I get, you know, quit from somewhere, if I quit somewhere or if I get fired or something happens, I can literally just go do that done. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it gives me that self-assurance to like go try hard things and go have those difficult conversations with business people and do this podcast and all that stuff. So that's where the excitement it is for me is drawn is like, okay, I have this safety valve now. So if I need to, I can kind of reserve on that. But in the next well, uh, two years, how, how you see yourself developing a little bit? Well, so I actually want to tack on to what you just oh, said before yeah, I yeah, jump into sure. that, yeah. because this is something that I hope people listening really take home as a message in this is the value of going and, and getting out of your comfort zone, trying new hard things is that you do come out on the other side with this kind of self-assurance. Everything I was just talking about, I don't think I would have this self-assurance and this confidence uh, if I hadn't gone and started a job that made me uncomfortable and that I didn't know if I could do and be successful. And, and for you, you know, we've had this conversation where you, you took a risk, you know, you moved across the country, you went down there, you started a business that you had never had your hands in, but you dove in and you showed yourself that if you dive in and you prepare and you work hard and you just try to build the processes to get in front of the right people and to close sales, and you keep working on that, refining that craft, you do become kind of invincible in a sense. And I think that weight that some people have of like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? How am I going to make money? Um, I think a lot of that starts to evaporate when you start to realize, you know, not only do I think I could go and, and start hard things that maybe I've never done, but when you go and prove that to yourself at our age, I think that's incredibly valuable. And that's why, you know, one of my favorite um, Self, in, in terms of growth, one of my favorite concepts I've ever heard was somebody said, if you want to grow the most that you possibly can, you should pick uh, the biggest area that you need to grow in and the thing in that area that makes you the most uncomfortable and then go and do that. 
because yeah. if you do that, it just skyrockets that growth and there's no chance you're going to sit there stagnant anymore. Right. So then you'll mm -hmm. develop that self-confidence and everything also, that we've been harping on. Oh yeah, for sure. I said, but also let it be known that like, that's, that's the most difficult part. And the reason why a lot of people don't get it done is like, I don't know, they'll, they'll see that and they'll be like, okay, these are all the things I have to do. And they get excited about them. Like, I think me and you talked about this too. You get really excited and you have all this like dopamine kind of going for you. You're like, oh dude, I need to you know, go set this goal to hundred, run a hundred miles or start this business or side hustle. And you're really pumped about it the night before. But then when you wake up at 4am to actually start working on it, you're like, Oh, maybe, maybe I could just, you know, fall back asleep for another 30. Or right. now. You know, it's like, <laughs> it, it, it's too easy. So yeah, man, I would just yeah. say like keeping people around you that are motivated towards the same goals will level off the sustainability, but ultimately it comes down to you to just get up and get it done. Um, yeah. Yeah, man. Right on. So if you didn't have any other points, I would say like, what's, what's your plans for the next two years and how you're planning to develop more? Cause um, I'm seeing new sides of the Rubik's cube every year, man. <laughs> yeah. um, I think the next two years, um, you know, if we're talking specifically about my character and my traits and things that I'm trying right. to develop, because yeah. yep. uh, you could go a million ways with that. But I would just say, I, I think the biggest thing for me is I want to continue to I mean, a lot of it's continuing the growth that I think I've been developing and because I wouldn't call myself perfectly self-assured or, or anything like that. And um, so that's a part of it. But I also think there's an aspect to where um, I think my biggest area that I need to continue to grow is now that I'm starting to see a little bit of success, it's really easy to take your foot off the gas a little bit. Um, I'm trying to develop just this morning. I was, I was listening to some stuff and trying to just, in a sense, meditate on this idea that it's like, now that I'm starting to find success, I'm starting to grow, I'm starting to get to where I was always hoping I would get, um, at least within this role, um, it's time to, to double down and almost increase my efforts and increase my efficiency and make sure that my processes are even tighter than ever. Because um, I, I tend to think it's a simple thing, but I tend to think that it's true that humans are below below the line individuals. I've heard that before, where um, it's if this is the line of what's good and acceptable, you know, we'll tend to, we'll maybe spike over it. But then if we're not careful, we'll start to sink down and maybe end up hanging out down here a little bit. So you have to be intentional, especially as you do start to see some growth um, to keep that going in the right direction. Cause in my opinion, you're always creating momentum in one direction or the other of that line. No. And I'll, I'll share a slightly, uh, personal example for that within mindful mowers, since we're talking about it. Uh, when I first got my first employee, um, and I was doing sales only our, our overall income, like pretty much doubled after the first two weeks, cause he was like trained and on his own saved me a lot of time and I could go out and get like three or four times the amount of leads and he was trained to quote them. So we were kind of rocking and rolling. And then his, his little brother was in high school, but he was helping out part-time if we had too many lawns and I was kind of too booked at the office to go help him. So we had, you know, all the resources we needed to keep growing. And while that was happening, it was really exciting. But as soon as I hit, you know, certain KPIs that I had set for myself, I was like, oh yeah, I could, I could kick back a little bit today. You know, I'd work like three or four hours in the morning once everything was set and kind of things were running on their own. Unless I had a question I had to answer, maybe I'd watch a movie or maybe I'd, I'd read a book or play some video games or go on a hike with Ronan, you know? So it was like, I kind of started to, to let that happen, you know, take my foot off the gas a little bit. And me and Logan talked about it and I was like, yeah, dude, I'm fine. Like I set up this <laughs> system. Like I was so confident in my first year, which I definitely should not have been. And uh, yeah. yeah, so I ended up 
we, we lost some revenue later on because of that. And I, um, there were some systems that the employee hadn't been fully trained on that I needed to go help him with. And I would have known that had I been in better communication with him. So um, it's definitely yeah. things you learn along the journey. But like you said, even if you fail within those difficult endeavors that seem unknown, the dragon that you don't know isn't always worse than the one that you do know. And so like, I would just say for people that that's a really good uh, encouraging point to just go out and try, try new things because, you know, even if you do fail at them or like in my situation where I didn't necessarily fail, but I didn't succeed, right? Like I did well, but I didn't really enjoy it. So after that full year of doing it, I came back here to the Midwest and, and throughout that process, even though I didn't necessarily succeed or make an insanely amount of life-changing money, I still had those incredible experiences and, and now this confidence to, to always be able to go back to that if I need to. So right. yeah, man, I love it. Love that stuff. You have anything else in that, uh, in that regard? Uh, no, I just, I think there's always a million ways that, you know, we can look at ourselves and say, we need to grow. But again, it just comes back to, you got to stick to the process, keep getting uncomfortable, keep grinding on things. Um, and that's, that's something I also anticipate the, the whole factor of getting uncomfortable as we've been talking about here. Um, I think that's something that a lot of people just through observation seem to lose as they, as they grow older and as they grow into their roles and they get a little bit more used to their routines. Um, and that's something that, you know, hopefully, and, and I guess my, my final thought on this is this is why sometimes it's really good to have, you know, like our relationship or our relationship with Logan, where you have guys that can be like, yo, dude, I think maybe you've been getting a little stagnant and uh, you could turn up the heat a little bit because sometimes we don't always see that with our own eyeballs on ourselves. Right. Yeah, no, for sure. And I was out to eat at dinner a couple of years ago with my best friend, TJ at the time, my brother, Nate and his uh, girlfriend, Sonia. So all four of us or yeah, all four of us were at the lunch or whatever. And it was during quarantine when I had not been exercising as much. So I definitely was getting heavier. Right. And I didn't really care. Cause I was like, whatever it's quarantine. Like when people start going back out, I'll just start working out again and I'll be fine. And my friend TJ, he's all about fitness and, and, and being in shape and things. And we're at dinner, like all just eating. We're, we're sober, you know, no one's drinking or anything, but he looks over me and he's just like, you know, man, you're getting kind of fat. And it's like, everyone at the table was like, dude, like you can't just go out and say that to somebody. But for me, it was like, all right, fair enough. And I went for a run the next day. But like, had he not said that, I wouldn't have been as motivated and I probably wouldn't have changed until later when COVID stopped more. So um, because of that, I would just say like, it is important to have those friends around you that aren't afraid to let you know when you're messing up, because ultimately that's, what's going to keep you on the right direction and keep your mind subliminally thinking about the right things in my opinion. Right. And yeah. it, that's something that I think I've always really appreciated about guys like you, Logan, uh, our other buddy, Connor, mm -hmm. um, is yeah, there's a, there's a quote from Tom Brady. Well, it's, it's actually from his old offensive coordinator, but they asked him what's different about Tom Brady from everybody else. Um, and he said, you know, Tom Brady, I remember the first time I was coaching him, the first camp I ever had with him, he had this beautiful pass down the sideline. And I'm like, let's go, Tom. You know, this is he, in his head. It's like, this is why he's the GOAT, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Tom Brady goes, you know, stop. Like, stop complimenting me. He, he goes over, I think it was Mike McDaniel. He says, mm -hmm. stop complimenting me. Don't tell me what I'm doing well. That'll show up in my results. Tell me where I'm making mistakes so that I can fix them. Mm. And he was just like, man, that's different. You know, yeah, dude. that's a different breed. Yeah. Cause a lot of people, I, like when they hear that, they're just, they love it. You know, when they, they yeah. hear a compliment, their, their mind eats it up and their ego inflates. They're like, oh yeah, dude, I'm running this show. But, uh, right. but yeah, man, that's a really cool thing to see. And you could tell why that he's, you know, one of the best that he, what he does and most consistent because 
you know, he's always looking to improve. Very cool. Yeah. And that, that was a little off topic, but the main point that I'm getting at there is, is to bring it full circle. I think that uh, having people that have that mindset of, I want to be pushed, you know, maybe you can oh, still yeah. take compliments, but having that mindset of, I want to be pushed um, is so incredibly valuable. Yeah. Which is why I think, and we are a little off topic, but I think that this goes well with self-development. I think it's a good reason why a lot of younger kids in middle school, high school and all that should play sports. Like even just mm -hmm. one, if they haven't tried it at all, like pick one and try it and do it for one season, that's it. And if you hate it then, then you can stop. But if, yeah. I don't know, the team building, the the coaching that you sometimes don't want to listen to, or like I had coaches tell me to run to one side of the field or whatever, and I just had to do it, right? But on my way over to that side of the field, another coach would see me and be like, no, you're with wide receivers, head over that way. And he'd, be, he'd tell me to run the other way. And it's like, if you just like do the wrong thing, they're going to yell at you. But if you do exactly what they tell you, and you tell like, oh, this coach told me that, then like, you know, you figure out how things work a little bit. And, then, and otherwise you try to take over too much and kind of, think about what you should do on your own. And I think that that takes away from the team element and, and having a coach and, and being able to push yourself to the, the highest degree. Yes, sir. Daddy, uh, get your kids in sports. Yeah. Yeah. Fair <laughs> enough. You know, it's young blooded approved. Uh, yeah. But as far as uh, selling within self-development, um, how can you see salesmen start to improve after like maybe a three to six month, you know, training and, and initiating process, but they're, they're still not kind of catching on to the, the fire of the sales world. So, for example, if they're trying to make 40 a year, maybe they're only on track to make 15 or 20 and they're just really struggling within this role, but they're excited about it three to six months in and they want to improve. They just don't know kind of where their head's at and what they need to improve on next. Um, so, so you're asking, what would my advice be to those yeah, what would guys? Be your advice to them? Are, I know you're kind of in a similar yeah. boat uh, time-wise, but yeah. Yeah, dude, I, I think what it comes down to is... Um, and I guess every every guy is going to be a little different, right? You're going to have some guys that are they're way too pushy and abrasive, and it pushes people away. Maybe they don't know how to they don't know how to time that um, because I think you have to be assertive for sure. But maybe they don't know how to time it in in the sales process. Maybe they just aren't even asking for the clothes. I know a lot of new salesmen um, aren't even confident and comfortable enough being assertive and and saying, you know, hey. Uh, what do you say we go forward with this? And just the simple closes, it doesn't have to be rocket science, but um, I guess overall, the biggest thing that I see, um, I'll, I'll speak specifically to my industry. Um, <laughs> the biggest thing that I see is you will have a lot of young guys that I think come in and I would say lack of assertiveness is what I, I tend to be seeing. And maybe that's just the ebbs and flow. Maybe right now that's, that's where it's at. And maybe other times the answer would be different. But right now I see a lot of the young guys in our industry because uh, you're walking into an arena um, of where you are selling. See, we're not selling retail. Part of our job is retail, but a very, very small part. Most of what we do is we sell to dealers who have owned their dealership for 20, 30 years. Um, and they're working and with more than just one of you, right? Two. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yep. So they've got multiple reps for multiple brands and, mm -hmm. Um, what it comes down to is, uh, I guess I'll, I'll go a little Grant, Grant Cardone on this question. Oh, nice. uh, he's, he's always said seller be sold, right. Mm -hmm. Or another way it's put is, um, somebody is getting influenced in that conversation. And if you don't feel like they are at all, um, then you're probably the only one being influenced. And yeah. to some extent I'd say, great, you know, that guy's been in the industry for 20 or 30 years, but if you show up to that conversation, let's say you're trying to call a dealer to sell them a floor plan. If you show up to that conversation knowing 
all the details that you can get, what's on his lot, if, he, if you're knowing um, what is turn time, how, how quickly he's selling your product, if you're knowing um, what kinds of, of products are being bought in the, everything you can get your hands on, odds are you're going to have something to share with him that he doesn't have. And now you can actually step into a persuasive consultative role. Um, and that's something that I think uh, a lot of guys, including myself, especially early on, but even now to some extent, um, it, it just comes down to we don't have that confidence to be assertive in a healthy way because um, either we're not doing the extra preparation to make up for the lack of experience. That's that's mm, how I would well that's put. how yeah. I would put it. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think that that's a big problem within almost any sales industry I've seen. Uh, logistics, I used to sell like phones and phone plans, all that good stuff um, for a brief moment. But like I, in any sales role I've been in, I think I've been at four sales companies now over like the course of my career. But all the companies I've been at, that's been a problem. Like the newer guys are like, well, maybe you could buy this product if it worked for you because maybe it would. <laughs> like that's not going to work ever. So <laughs> you can't say like that. You got to be assertive when you've provided yourself with the platform to close on, right? But like, that's the thing is too, the confidence is built through the conversation when you're saying the things that are correct and, and you have the right information that you're knowledgeable about, I suppose. So yeah. it's it all does come with time as well, I would assume, right? Like you, you kind yeah. of lose that imposter syndrome and gain that confidence more so at the end of that six months because of the fact that you've been doing it for so long, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought up imposter syndrome because it ties <laughs> back into it, it ties back into, you know, a lot of guys feel that when they're in my role in this industry at our at our age. Mm -hmm. um, and and we've always too a buddy and I at my workplace, we've always said you have to outwork your imposter syndrome. That's mm. that's kind of how our mindset is as we as we walk forward in it. Cause it's tough. It's like it a shadow tough. almost. Yeah, you gotta outbeat it. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. No, for sure, man. That's that's a good point. And I, I like that way of thinking about it too, because then it's like when it does come, you're not like, oh crap, I have this imposter syndrome. Ah, like you're like, okay, now I gotta beat it. And that your yep. mind's already there. Like, right, it's ready to go. Yep. Um, so I guess there's a lot of content within the self-improvement world, right? Like, so I see a lot of even like influencers now that aren't necessarily focused on self-improvement try to give their two cents on it as well. So I guess as a consumer, is there certain ways that you yield more information from you know self-improvement content that other people may not because i know for me if i watch videos all day i maybe only get one or two things out of one or two of the videos um and so like is there maybe a note system that you use or something like that yeah so well i'll, I'll start here when i first was mm -hmm. let's say first fresh out of college and i was like i'm gonna go be a businessman you know i had my i thought i was putting my big boy pants on and getting all excited uh, I consumed everything I could. I stopped, you know, I'm a big sports podcast guy. I like a lot of these other, you know, funny stuff, impulsive, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, I guess no free shout outs probably, but <laughs> I, uh, right. <laughs> I, uh, um, so I, I would just consume all the business content that I could. It was like entrepreneurship podcasts and sales podcasts and side hustle podcasts. And it was, I mean, I'm talking sometimes. You sent me six, a couple of them that I still listen to today. Good ones. Yeah. 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 And sometimes it was five, six, seven hours a day, but it, I got to where I was just so fat with knowledge, but lacking on action to follow it um, that I think it started to dig myself into this hole. So really what I've done at this point is 
I have a couple guys that I trust. And this, this just comes, again, it comes through experience. You have to listen to a broad range, I think, at first, when you first get into self-development, to realize that there's some guys out there that say stuff that it's like, dude, this isn't going to work. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. Um, or they'll have an energy about them where you're, you can just sense it's not genuine or some, something like that. But as you keep diving into it, you get better and better at weeding that out. And to me, I've kind of funneled it down to at this point where um, I have certain guys that I know and trust and really connect with what I'm trying to do. Um, and they're really who I hammer if I am going to go down that self-development route. So then I really only probably listen to one or two self-development um, podcasts or snippets a day and try and just garnish more from it and put it into action faster than I used to, if that makes sense. No, that makes a lot um, of sense. It gives you more time then, in the day too, because you're not listening to as much content, you're implementing it. So, yeah. Right, right. It's always, we're always in this uh, dance, I guess, of trying to balance how much are we taking in versus how much are we implementing? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's important to be aware of that too. But yeah, I mean, as far as notes, I, I just keep a, this is a practical little thing. I just keep a running notes in my iPhone. Mm -hmm. um, actually, I use Google notes because then you can transfer it to PC or whatever really mm -hmm. easily. But um, I just go and I take, it's called life notes. And whenever something hits, it's like, man, a really perspective shifting moment. I'll go ahead and I'll type that. I'll throw that in there. Um, and so now I'm up to where it's, you know, I've got stuff from four years ago where I was middle of college and started first doing this that I can look back on and see, you know, do I still agree with this? Um, how do I feel about where my mindset is now versus then and things like that. So it's a great opportunity to, to take down the stuff that's important and kind of reflect, you know, oh, yeah. it's both. Yeah. And I would, I would say on that point, it's not like a waste of time to rewatch a video. Like it is a waste of time to reread a book, right? Like you can consume content at a different point of your life and gain something else from it, but more importantly, reaffirm what is already good content. Because like, if you were to watch something else at that same time, you would probably have to find a good video and that would take you some time. So if you, you know, yeah. only had five, 10 minutes anyway, just watch something you've already seen and see if you can take something else from it, because odds are it'll reaffirm what you already know is good about that video in your life, which is never really a bad thing. So um, that's, that's kind of how I've gained it too, is, is if I can't take notes or I'm kind of busy at the time and I'm just listening in the background, just make sure you go back through and re-listen to it again. Cause like the second time through, like I said, you'll, you pull some stuff out. So yeah. right on, man, that's super cool. Um, how, how would you say like you prioritize your like development within your life? Like, like as far as like career, you know, exercise, sleep, social work all that stuff like what what would you say like if you had to put the top five of those things that i listed you know religion is all in there as well obviously where would you be you know ranking those things and how can you use that to kind of help self-improve as well so i i guess i'll give you just the top three Perfect. um it, yeah. it probably goes right now if, I, if i'm being transparent it's probably mm -hmm. career is my number one focus um just trying to get everything in that front dialed in as possible and then it's probably like a two a two b with spirituality and physical fitness those mm -hmm. are probably the the second and third most important things to me um and that makes sense as being you know a, a young single guy that grew up in the church and, and has a strong faith background but also played sports like all that kind of checks out there so mm -hmm. that shouldn't surprise people but um i do think i do think it's a thing where i mentally check myself because I got to where it was so career focused. Um, I, I was for a little while sitting in a place where it was all career and friends. Like those were the two things that I cared about. Um, and at times, you know, my diet would really suffer and start to look like crap. 
Um, sometimes my, for a while, my spiritual focus just got way off base. Um, you know, I wasn't engaging in good spiritual conversations. I wasn't engaging with people that were helping me think in that way and grow. And, uh, and I, to be honest, again, I, I didn't have that system of checks and balances in place to have friends that would be like, yo, dude, maybe you shouldn't be doing that. Maybe you shouldn't mm-hmm. be living that way. Um, and, and I think that's something where I would just recommend to a lot of young people, when you get into a role, let yourself cut loose a little bit. I mean, if you want to cut your teeth and get in there and get aggressive with what you're doing and work hard at it from a career standpoint. But um, I also think it's very important to make sure that eventually you, you have that mental timer that says, you know, I need to make sure I'm incorporating um, other elements to my self-development. You know, I call it, I, I love the term congruent excellence. Um, you want to be excellent in all that you do. I think I think it's just really, really easy to get away from that in, in certain moments. But again, that's where the checks and balances comes in. And, and so you can knock yourself back on path. No, definitely. It really is easy to to lose a couple of those. And like you said, it's it's part of the dance that you have to see how much you're taking in and putting out. But you also have to see how much you're giving to each category of that of that part of your life. Right. Because mm-hmm. without sleep, you're not going to survive you know no social if you're just alone working all the time and exercising and eating well you're still going to be like sad and lonely so it's like that's not very fun and then uh you know with exercise and diet obviously taking those things out you're gonna die a lot sooner so um you just got to keep them all in place and uh it's tough to do and it's really easy to to let them slip but i think that is a key part of self-development and the biggest i think the biggest improvement i saw in my life this year was when I changed three things in my life. And all of these three things, anyone can change and anyone can improve upon at any point, really. And they were sleep, exercise, and diet every single time. Mm -hmm. Like, as long as I made sure I was eating three meals a day and a high protein breakfast, um, along with eight, seven, eight, or nine hours of sleep and 30 minutes to an hour of exercise, whether it be a run, workout, or really, really long hike, maybe a two hour hike, um, I was good, right? I fell asleep a lot better. I woke up ready to go energized. I didn't need as much coffee. I didn't need to, I feel like I needed to go out and drink with my friends on the weekends quite as much. Right. Like it was just like, everything was like a lot more stress-free. I was able to handle problems and objections with a lot more calmness and like passivity almost. Um, I don't know. It was just, it felt like a lot easier way to live. And I'm like, man, these are really original things that I feel like I should have changed a long time ago. But uh, yeah, yeah, I say keeping consistent with those things as hard as it can be sometimes will really help you. So yeah, I mean, all that being said, I know I was a little bit longer of a rant than I would have liked, but uh, all that things being said, uh, did you have any other things you'd like to close with or maybe any plugs at all that that you'd like to shout out? I know uh, you already did Impulsive since you're a big fan of Logan and Mike and all those guys, but. Yeah, um, you know, sorry, are you asking what specific uh, self-development things I like to look into? Maybe one or two of those? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, so I think, one of my favorite guys right now is probably Alex Ramosi. Oh yeah. Um, he's, he's a really good one to look into. I think he's a, a really genuine guy, but he also gives great advice. That's actionable. That's a big value. piece of it. Huge too. Value. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Like there's a lot of guys that will say things that just sound exciting. Um, but Hermosi takes everything and he puts it into this box of like, now how do I go and execute on what I just heard? Yeah. Almost um, a step-by-step almost. Yeah. 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 So he's a really good one. Uh, and then sometimes, you know, he, he's a hit or miss guy. We've talked about him, but uh, I really love Ed Milet. I think he's a really good, he just gets the blood going a little bit here yeah. and there. Uh, but he also gives some really good, I mean, he's he's got his podcast where he brings on some great guests that, again, it's like you were saying with the diet and exercise piece, he hits everything because it's like 
when you when you get everything working well together, uh, it it helps you progress in just about every area of your life. And I think Ed's a really good guy to to listen to because he just hits on so many of those points. So he's a really good one too. Yeah, yeah, and I I don't know. I've been noticing this within my life too, just like from the podcasting and all of that. But I think when you listen to those podcasts and you have conversations about them with your friends and try to think on a more deeper level like that, like because podcasting's long form naturally does that. I think it helps all of us become better communicators, right? So like, even if you're just listening to self-development stuff for the sake of the knowledge and not really implementing in your life, like it's still good to do because it's better than listening to something that's like tearing you down or not helping you at all. So I would say just like listening to those things, it's going to get you in the right frame of mind, as well as it is being able to like improve your communication, just listening to any podcast like that. Because the long form, I think is really doing well for, for our generation as I see a lot of interrupting in regular conversation. And that's typically not something you see in podcasting because there's like a typical rule set for, for podcasting and stuff. So I really like that. But anyway, um, yeah, man. I mean, any other plugs that you had or, or anything? Uh, no, we'll just, we'll leave it at that. Perfect. Forest river, Spencer, regional sales manager, charge of a bunch of territories, super cool stuff, guys. Let me know how you like this episode and remember young bloods money in your twenties is knowledge for life. And really quick, actually Alex from Moses, uh, the person that bought the, the gyms and the places that he opened. So gym launch and prestige labs is named Kale Owens. And he's actually coming on at the end of this month. So that's pretty exciting um, because he directly worked with Alex Ramosi and bought those like when he was working at those places. And then he bought them from him when Alex went on and started acquisition.com. So very cool and very exciting. And we're going to learn a lot more about Alex and Layla and Kale um, during that podcast. So super exciting there. Really pumped for that. Well, I will close it out here. And remember, Young Blood's money in your 20s is knowledge for life. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Young Blooded Podcast. Now that we are on season two, there is an active newsletter along with a bunch of other giveaways and challenges. This will be happening on my LinkedIn page, which will be linked at the top of every episode for the foreseeable future. Money in your 20s is knowledge for life.